and welcome back to another episode of the Move to Heal podcast. My name is Ali Hirschman. I'm Colleen Delaney. I'm Ethan Hirschman. And today we have the honor of being joined by Jessica Dean, who is one of our board members. She is also a registered dietitian and certified intuitive eating counselor, and she leads our nutritional program, which is guiding participants to achieve a balanced diet, incorporating mindfulness practices and developing a healthy relationship with food. And I am so excited to pick your brain a little bit and kind of get to know the program a bit more um, for our listeners and just kind of hear a little bit more about you and how you got started. So I would love for you to just share um, what kind of was the driving force for you to get into this field yeah. and how well, did that all start for having me I'm yeah happy to be here so, happy. so glad you're here yeah, yeah. so thank you um so i would say that my journey to nutrition was kind of like i don't know a bumpy road and a little bit wavy um especially getting to the place where i am now with intuitive eating diet culture is so loud that i feel like we get sucked into that just mm. And it kind of hijacks our brain and brainwashes us into thinking that nutrition needs to be a certain way. And if we're healthy, we're eating in this way. And if we're unhealthy, we're eating in another way. And um, so I went through a whole journey of trying different diets, over-exercising, under-eating, and realizing none of that really worked. If Mm -hmm. anything, it just made me more of an unhealthy person. Um, And the crazy thing, too, is during this whole time where I was over-exercising and under-eating, I was a dietitian, right? So mm. I had all the information and the knowledge on what to do and how to, how to eat to support fitness or just being a healthy individual. But diet culture was so strong that I was kind of, again, hijacked into thinking something different. Mm. So it wasn't really until I was working at Yale, actually, and one of my coworkers came in and she was like, have you ever read this book? health at every size, and, and and have you read Intuitive Eating? And I was like, what is that? And this was literally like 10 years ago. Wow. And um, of course, so she's like, you have to read it. Okay, and I'm so if anybody tells me I have to read anything, I am. Mm-hmm. And um, I read the Intuitive Eating book, and it was like light bulb after light bulb after light bulb. And I'm like, wow, this is so me. Like, I had no idea I was dieting. Like, if you had asked me, you know, before, if if I followed any sort of diet, I'd say no. Like, I don't diet, right? I just eat healthy. Um, but after reading the intuitive eating book, I was like, wow, I have literally been dieting my whole life and not even knowing that I was dieting. Wow. And it was really under disguise in more of like orthorexia or that super healthy or super focus on healthy eating. Okay. You like eliminate, you know, um, food groups or you don't eat carbs or maybe you, the order you eat food, like mm. it can be so, um, what do I want to say? Like it, in disguise that you don't recognize that you're doing and, wh- and what was that term you just used? Orthorexia. Orthore- I've never heard that before. Yeah, yeah wow. look it up. It's a good one. Huh. And, and I find that most people, so side tangent, most people who are really into fitness and exercise, um, fall into that orthorexic category because we want to be healthy in all ways. We're taking care of our bodies, we're exercising, and then we prioritize maybe protein over other, like over carbohydrates, or we make sure we're eating like mostly plants and um, very little, I don't know. Jeez, where do I sign up? Oh my God. (laughs) So it, it is something that I think a lot of people, especially in the fitness industry, end up having Mm -hmm. is orthorexia. And um, is it talked about? Like, I've really never even heard that. 
Yeah, no, not really. Yeah, that's yeah, so interesting. Really. Okay. Um, so it's like a, the easy way to describe it is like the like, hyper focus on <laughs> yeah, unhealthy yeah. eating. Mm. Right. It's like the so yeah. So in the intuitive eating book, that was kind of like the light bulb moment for wow. me. Like, oh my gosh, I have been doing this like wow. my whole life. Right. My mom. The reason why I got into nutrition is. My mom, I always say, like, she's the pioneer of nutrition. She was like, wheat germ and homemade peanut butter. And mm-hmm. we only ate fruit and vegetables. And, you know, she was so focused on nutrition that it was just my natural progression to go into it. Mm. So uh, literally, when I say I've been, like, healthy eating my whole life, I have been healthy eating mm. my whole wow. life, whether by choice or not. And um, so the book really was kind of that um, – the thing that made me go in a different direction of like, okay, now I'm aware. And once you're aware, you can't be unaware. Right. Right. Once you know, you can't unknow. And so I knew that my behaviors weren't healthy. Like, and I don't mean like eating healthy, just like my body was not healthy. It was Mm. so stressed. Um, and I started to do more education for myself, um, on what intuitive eating is. How do I become a certified intuitive eating counselor? Because if I fell into this trap, then I'm yeah. sure there's so many other women that fell into the are in the trap or fell into the trap mm-hmm. unknowingly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when you walk into a gym, it's so easy to fall into that trap. Totally, because you just buy into the whole fitness and diet culture, and yeah. with social media, well, I was going to say, it social media, really oh warps gosh. everybody into thinking a certain way. Um, and I think diet, which I hate that word, um, but like the, the lifestyle of eating is different for everybody and like for me because I have Crohn's and colitis and Lyme disease I have to eat gluten dairy sugar free but I do it in a way that works for me so it doesn't turn into an eating disorder you know I don't measure out my food I eat until I'm full Mm -hmm. I eat whole nutritious foods that are keeping me healthy Mm -hmm. yeah I think that's the important thing too is realizing that it's different for everyone and when we're doing paleo or um keto or macro counting we're really not listening to what our body needs which is the premise of intuitive eating we're really basing our decisions off something external right like what are my points or Mm -hmm. what are my macros or what does the calculator say and with intuitive eating it really is bringing it back into to you and Mm -hmm. your body like what does your body need or what does it do best with or without Mm -hmm. and that's like colleen's way of eating which Mm -hmm. is probably different than yours or mine or even yours so um, intuitive eating really helps teach the patient or the person what is right for you and, and pushing out the noise of society or social media or external um, expectations so that yeah. you can really turn back into yourself. So, yeah. so Jess, uh, a question that comes to mind is what, after all these years of sort of eating healthy and, and, um, and eat you know, the diets and all that stuff. And then reading this book, a lot of people um, would have would have said, oh, okay, this is another opinion and just put the book aside mm-hmm. and kept going. Mm-hmm. What was what was sort of that turning point for you? Like, what, what made you think, wow, I got to go down this path as opposed yeah. to stay on the one I was on? Um, I love this question because there's there's patients that I work with that have read the intuitive eating book like five years ago and it went right over their head and there mm. wasn't anything that resonated with them. So they put it down and same with other dietitians. like right, sure. I've read it and we're like, mm, no, this is not for me. But I think it was the right, t- right timing. 
right? Like I was at this place where I was like not feeling great, try, you know, trying to manipulate all macros or whatever it is. And it was the right time for me when I read it. It just felt right. Mm -hmm. And I think just the recognition too of like, oh my gosh, I've been dieting. Yeah. And you were probably fed up with it, that yeah. lifestyle. Right. It's draining. But never even knew I was dieting, yeah. right? Like bringing my salads and chicken and all, you know, the things that looked healthy. Right. But I had realized I had so many rules that I was following that I didn't realize I was following. Right. I remember at the beginning of this journey, cause we really, I really wanted to come up with like, okay, what would, what would be one of my big goals where if I was able to accomplish this one thing, I would feel like I've made it right. Like I've kind of walked myself out of diet culture and into being an intuitive eater. And what my first goal was, was to be, and I think I probably said this to people before, um, I really wanted to be able to order ice cream cone with my kids. Like mm. I would never, you know, my kids are like almost in their twenties or all of them. And, mm -hmm. um, for how many years I never would get an ice cream cone and not feel Dairy guilty Queen about or it or whatever. Right. Yeah. And I'd be mm. like, ah, I'll just take a lick. And so that was a rule that I had was like, I cannot have ice cream with my kids or it's bad or whatever. And so being able to do that now is huge. Mm -hmm. right? yeah. It sounds so silly and so simple, but my gosh, like all moms should be able to have an ice cream cone with their kids mm -hmm. and not feel guilty about it. Right. Right. Yeah. It sounds 100%. like yeah. freeing, you yeah. know, that type of mentality. And Let's also, go get blizzards. I'm, I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm yeah. Sure. yeah, I know. And having that good relationship <laughs> with yeah. food and not feeling guilty about it. Yeah. And, you know, I noticed with a lot of like working in, you know, with with the nutrition and move tail clients, a lot of people were saying that they just struggled doing every diet and feeling guilty every time they ate something bad and just like binging and then, and then starving. And, yes. you know, and I love how you've created the move to heal nutrition program and the respect that let's have a healthy relationship with food. Mm -hmm. And is that something you hear a lot in like the, um, in the weekly meetings, like that people struggle with having that relationship with food and have it be absolutely. Yes. And I think, um, that, that comes from the external, right? Like we have society or all the million diets that are out there have categorized foods into good and bad. And again, we've kind of like learned everything we know about nutrition, right? Is learned. Um, and so we have to kind of unlearn that way of thinking that this is good and this is bad. And we can have ice cream cones with our kids and things like that. And not feel guilty about them, but it's an unlearning process mm -hmm. that food doesn't have to be categorized as good or bad. We can have food. Food is not just for nourishment. It's for also for enjoyment and mm -hmm. for, um, it can be a social thing. It mm -hmm. can be an emotional thing. Mm -hmm. There's so many reasons why we eat that don't always have to do with fueling our body, mm -hmm. but that concept is really scary for so many people. So it is, it's a, it's a journey the way I describe it to yeah. our mm -hmm. move to heal participants or my patients that I work with is we're, we're taking a journey away from something that is comfortable and going to something that's uncomfortable, which is mind blowing, right? To listen to your body is so uncomfortable. Yeah. But in the world of nutrition, we're so comfortable listening to somebody else and having somebody else tell us what to do. Mm -hmm. That listening to our own body seems like, unheard of yeah so i think uh just because i want to ask about like the good and the bad like labeling foods good versus bad and thinking about how the impact like adults and parents have on kids you know like 
kids doing something bad is really negative, you know, and there's consequences. And it's even, I, I feel like a lot of, at least for me, a lot of my relationship with food was just this learned behavior from watching my parents and like, you know, what do they do or how do they talk about themselves and their bodies and how do they talk about food? So is that something that you focus on or talk about in terms of like what it looks like healing the relationship as adults, especially has, as it has its impact with kids? Oh my gosh. Yes. I mean, I can just use myself as an example with um, when I healed my relationship with food, it healed my kids' relationship mm, wow. with food, mm. too. That's really powerful. Um, and as a mom, all the decisions I make, I think about how is this going to impact my children. Mm. And um, and I hadn't realized that my relationship with food was really impacting my kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the first, so w- with intuitive eating, we have to we bring in foods that we never allowed. That's, right, give ourselves full permission to enjoy all foods. And so... I was doing that for myself, but I wanted to do that for my children too. And one of the first things that I brought into the house was chocolate milk. Because, mm. um, you know, I was a healthy eater. We didn't drink chocolate milk. It was white milk and mm-hmm. we didn't do added sugar. And so I had all these rules. So I was like, okay, so I'm doing it for me. I'm going to do it for my kids. The chocolate milk lasted for like a day. Right? Yeah. Because my kids were like, <laughs> yeah. oh my gosh, chocolate mm-hmm. milk. And, you know, in the Intuitive Eating book, it's like constant exposure to these foods. It takes away, like, the glory. Yeah. Like, you want to mm-hmm. take them off the pedestal um, so they don't feel so special, yeah. right? That binge right. restrict. Yeah, right? yeah right. totally. And so I just kept buying chocolate milk. I'm like, oh, I hope this works. You yeah. Know, like, mm-hmm. my kids are going to just become like chocolate milk addicts mm-hmm. and want that at all, all meals and snacks. And um, now chocolate milk stays in our fridge for like a week yeah because right? that that's constant amazing. exposure to yeah. it that they now it's going to be there they're comfortable with right. it it's not right. the way right um they don't feel that need to drink the whole thing right uh-huh. here yeah. day um but i would not have been able to do that for them if i hadn't done that for myself right. first and now that you know they now they're comfortable with having that food that mm-hmm. when they get older it won't be right thing, right for oh. people who um, are listening, like in someone like me who has autoimmune issues that have to eat gluten, dairy, sugar free, what is your advice for someone who wants to intuitive eat but has to have restrictions? Yeah. So I have a patient who was du- just diagnosed with um, a nickel allergy. So if you try to find foods that are like low nickel, it's like impossible. Wow. Right? They're out there. Is um, nickel in every idea? Yeah. It's in everything. It comes from the ground. So okay. if anything is grown from the ground from the ground it's gonna have nickel been working on disordered eating and intuitive eating and then the patient gets this diagnosis and it's like she's like what do I do I've come so far now I have to like go back right and it's our bodies have such a memory right so this diagnosis triggered her back into like that restrictive mindset Mm. which kicked up a whole lot of feelings of like here we go again right and so it was walking her through this um you know, the, this diagnosis and, and helping reframe it in a way that's going to feel a little bit better and not so restrictive in diety. Mm-hmm. Not, it, I mean, it's definitely going to be hard to figure yeah. it out, but when we can frame it as a self care, like I'm following all the things like sugar free eating whatever. to nourish your body, fuel yeah. your body and mm-hmm. change that framework yeah. in your mind. It's not, I can't, it's like, I'm choosing not to. Yeah. 
Um, because you totally can, right? Yeah. We all have self-will. So you could, you could totally eat gluten if you wanted to. You may not feel well, mm-hmm. but you could do it. And so when we switch the way we think about it and we make it more of a self-care choice, like a decision, mm. you have full permission to eat that food, but I'm deciding to eat yeah. gluten-free, it switches something in the brain. Um, it takes it from feeling like a restriction yeah. to more of a self-care choice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, that's, sometimes it's I just reframing that. it the and way we think about that's it. That's so good for people to hear too, because I remember when I got diagnosed and they were like, well, you're going to have to cut out this, this, and this. I was like, my life is over. Yeah. And it's sort of like when, like someone who's in recovery from addiction yeah, when they can't do something, that. they're like, this life is going to be so boring. And, yeah. mm-hmm. but the fact that I get to eat such nutritious food that makes me feel good. When you start to feel good inside, it makes you want to keep going mm-hmm. and right. encourage that type of eating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's with people who have a history of dieting, any sort of thought or perceived restriction, right? Like I can't eat gluten. Yeah. Right. Like that's a so someone who's dieted in the past that kicks up that memory of restriction. Yeah. And it's almost subconscious. Right. So we have to do we have to stay in the consciousness of nope, this is a choice that I'm consciously making to not eat gluten and keep it, it a lifestyle feel good in my body. It's not coming from a, I can't restrictive place. It's coming from, I can, but I'm choosing to do right. it different. Yeah. And keeping it a lifestyle and not just like a hot and cold thing. You yeah. do something for six months and you fall off the wagon. Everyone knows. And that's something that I learned through working with nutrition move to heal clients was I've done every diet and I can do it for a certain amount of time. And then I fall off and I gain weight, lose weight. And yeah. it's like, how can we make this a lifestyle and feel good about what we're doing and maintain? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. If you do the all or nothing, right. Which is diet culture. It's like I'm all in or I'm all out, then it's not sustainable. And so I always encourage people to look at it as like, we're looking for the gray, right? We're not yeah. black or white. We're not on or off. We're like in the middle, mm-hmm. right? So we want to find a way that we can eat and nourish our body that's sustainable forever. So if it's 30 days or 45 or 75 or whatever, it is, that's not forever. So let's rethink it and maybe work in finding something that's going to be sustainable. And it probably will look different than what you're thinking it will look like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? It's not going to be black and white. So mm-hmm. Jess, getting back to um, your story. Right. You, you got this book, you read it and, yeah. and you were working at Yale. Yes. Um, what happened next? <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, I had, like implemented intuitive eating wherever I could at Yale. Right. Mm-hmm. So I was working in um, a clinic and they had asked me to develop a nutrition program. So, of course, I like, you know, threw intuitive eating all over the place. Um, but it was one of those things where, like, again, like once you see and know something, you can't. And so I really at that point knew where I was working in Yale wasn't really aligning with how I wanted to practice anymore. Um, So I did what I could at the clinic. um, But at that point also realized I need to open a practice. Like if there's so many women and men out there who would benefit from this, Mm. that um, I needed to offer this service to to people. And so I, I opened up my private practice on the side, of course, where I was working. Mm -hmm. And then, it's grown, um, and we have a lot of men and women coming in, and children, even yeah. parents calling for their children, um, yeah, to to work with us. And I have to say, it's all uh, when I talk to people on the phone, it's it's almost refreshing. Yeah, and the, a lot of them will be like, "Wow, this is such a refreshing way to think about food," because it's always takes the been pressure off. So like rigid, and they've worked with other dietitians or whatever, and then they've been 
felt like it was, you know, really strict and rigid. And so when they get to me, finally, they, and they, and I explain how we work, um, it's almost like I can feel their shoulders relax. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, finally. Yeah. And I'm sure you're That's so, great. your, your business is so successful because everything comes from your personal experience. Yeah. Personal experience is the best, the best lessons and the best teachings, in my opinion. I agree. I agree. I don't think I would be as good at what I do if I didn't have the life experience yeah. to, mm. to back it up. Yeah. Well, you can relate with your clients. Yeah. And, and also and when and somebody has a problem, thing, so. you're like, well, when I dealt with this, this mm-hmm. is what I did. Mm-hmm. What yeah, is the most the rewarding um, parts of your job? All parts of my job mm-hmm. is so great. But I have to say when, um, you know, when I get a new patient and they're really struggling with this idea of intuitive eating, they want it so bad, but they don't want to go back to dieting. But it's almost like they have, you know, one foot in each, like one foot in diet culture, one foot in intuitive eating. And it's really scary, you know, to take that leap to just trust me. Um, but when they do and we work through all the challenges and then say, you know, this is not a quick thing. Like in becoming an intuitive eater and leaving diet culture behind takes time, right? Mm-hmm. Like at least six months, maybe a year. So it's not like a quick fix. Mm. But when those patients hang with me and then, you know, a year goes by and they show up at session and they're like, this is what I did. I had cake or, and I didn't eat the whole thing. I listened to my body. I had a couple bites and realized it wasn't good. And, you know, like, when they come to me so excited and they see all the tools that we've been practicing kind of come to fruition and it's it's working in the way that they're they're conscious and they're aware of what their body's telling them mm. um, it's not so much effort because in the beginning it is a lot of like conscious effort so when it becomes more like flow for them and they're excited and they they feel it and they see it that's literally the best yeah I love that that's amazing what's your uh what's been your experience with working with move teal clients and the 16-week program um so I love those clients they're just great they always come with questions and open mind um I would say one of my biggest I don't know if it was a hesitation or if it was um maybe concern I'm not sure if those are the right words to use I knew I would get a lot of people that had an idea of what nutrition would be. Or like, you know, you hear about a nutrition program and you you automatically have ideas of like, it's going to be macro counting or yeah. it's going to be like a list of foods. Mm-hmm. Or, and I knew we weren't doing any of that. And so I was a little bit like, oh, I don't know how this is going to go. Mm-hmm. Like people are going to show up and they're going to expect one thing and get something different. But I know the difference is going to be better for them in the long run. Um but what I have found is everybody has embraced this idea of being intuitive or mindful with the, mm. the approach mm-hmm. um, and almost like grateful. You yeah. Know? yeah. And, and the important thing is, is each week we, ha- we give different topics and um, to think about and they're able to take what they want, leave the rest, mm-hmm. or circle back around. We had another person that com- came back for a second time through just to get like more nuggets of information. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's different in the way that they're not being shoved, nothing's being shoved down their throat to make them feel like this is successful. You mm-hmm. know, you're doing this, then you're successful at the program. Because then that would put people into like, you know, if they weren't able to do it, they might feel guilty or shameful and stop uh-huh. coming. So yeah. we really want to empower them all. So giving them useful tips yeah. and tools that they can mm-hmm. take away each t- session um, has been our goal. And I, I feel like we're doing a 
a good job at that. Oh, yeah. Who's a good candidate? Like someone listening in that has access to this Move to Heal program. What what, what would you consider a good candidate for the program? I feel like everybody would benefit from the program. Mm. Um, Whether you think you have poor nutrition or not, or you are clueless about nutrition or not, I think all people would benefit from just hearing mm-hmm. the information we provide. Um, like I had said in the beginning, I didn't even realize I was a dieter. You know, I was just, it was like this undercover thing mm-hmm. that yeah. I didn't even realize. Something like this would have been b- so beneficial for me to hear, yeah. like listening, how to listen to my body or trust it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like all people could benefit from popping into the program yeah. or just looking yeah. at the topics. And if something sounds good, just coming and listening. And again, you just take what you need and leave the rest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We do do Q&As too. So if there's people out there that have specific nutrition questions that Mm -hmm. aren't covered in our topics, they are more than welcome to come and ask questions there too. Yeah. People, you know, because I go to all the meetings and I get to talk to a lot of the Move Tail clients and they said this has been life changing for them because they're getting to the root cause of why they have certain eating patterns that they're they don't like yeah um and I feel like it almost takes the pressure off of them because they come in and they're like okay this is going to be like it's this is not going to be a quick fix you're not going to get instant gratification but like you know if you're there for 16 weeks to do the program that's you know that's a while and it gives you enough time to really like give it a chance Mm -hmm. um and then pairing it with move teal meetings, move teal workouts, you know, it kind of is all encompassing and so good for people. Yeah, it's great. And I, I think, um, yeah, just having people come to the nutrition program, going to the move to heal meetings and the workouts is just, they're getting, I feel like sometimes I refer to it as like a hug. Like yeah. we all have their arm, we our arms around our participants and just helping them in all ways, whether it's therapy, nutrition, working out, yep. meetings. So um, it's just one little piece to the puzzle. And and, and the community better. getting to see, you know, like, you know, I could be in a, in a Brantford meeting. Um, Allie could be in the Rhode Island one. And then we come and do this nutrition program and we get to like see yeah, the so different you know, communities yeah. within Move to Heal, which yeah. is really cool. I never even yeah. thought that about that. Cool. Yeah. That's true. I love yeah. that. Oh, that's, yeah, I haven't thought about it. That is cool. Yeah. That's great. Um, one thing that I just thought of when you said that was the idea of consistency too, which is really important. So if you're in Brantford and you're mm. in Rhode Island, you're getting the same nutrition information, which I think is important. So it's, again, less confusion of you mm. know if you meet and you're yep. like my dietitian said this right. my, this is the move like, to heal way yeah yeah it, it, that could be no, confusing. i think that so was this is a really nice way to keep it like the same and present the information in a way that so we could scale supportive. this as well because yeah. we want to take this mm-hmm. yeah that's that's when um that was one of the really great benefits of of, of having you you come join us and i think uh you know the fact that you you do this intuitive eating program versus okay let's do your macros or let's go paleo or or whatever keto or whatever um really is is perfect for for the other components of move to heal Mm -hmm. with the workouts and the group Mm -hmm. recovery meetings and the therapy um 
you know, because we're dealing with people that struggle in different areas um, of their lives, and and a lot of a lot of them are eating disorders. Yeah. Um, which clearly a diet is like you can't even say totally that word the wrong yeah. thing, yeah. right? It's yeah. that even saying that word is triggering. That's mm-hmm. why in it's like in meetings, it's staying away from certain words because people that struggle with eating disorders are it's super triggering, and people are su- super sensitive to it. And you you want to create that safe space. So if you're talking about diets and stuff like that that can turn somebody off like immediately. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Yeah. Uh, I think one of the important things with intuitive eating too, and the way that we do the program, it decreases the feeling of shame around the way we eat. And I feel like a lot of times people struggle with um, if they're not doing something right, Um, especially our population may be more sensitive to trying to do the right thing or, um, yeah, so I don't want to create any more pain or confusion or suffering for somebody so mm. when we can take the shame out of eating and really kind of like make it neutral mm-hmm. i think that's beneficial mm-hmm. of, of the 16 week program what are some of the your favorite ones to teach oh gosh there's so many. i think i get the most response when i talk about like permission to eat all foods because mm. that's really scary for people mm. um and the first idea that people usually have is uh, you know, I'm telling them to just go wild and eat, you know, whatever they want, whenever they want it. And that's mm-hmm. really scary for them. But it's actually what we want to do. It's kind of like the chocolate milk of like, mm-hmm. I right. want you to introduce these foods in so that you, they don't feel scary to you. You're not going to just start eating like a wild person, maybe for like a couple days. But once you bring the foods in and you're used to having them, then they don't have that power yeah. over you. Anymore. Totally. Wow. Yeah, I think. Ro- and one of the things that my doctor told me in the beginning was like romanticizing your whole experience. So when you sit down doing meditative breaths Mm. to calm down your nervous system and, and get your digestive juices flowing and, um, and also like something as simple as chewing your food. Yeah. Like, so it's easier digested. Mm -hmm. And these are all things that I'm sure you talk about in, in your program and, um, how something that little can be so beneficial. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, and it's not something that you would think of on your own, right? Like, Oh, I should bring these foods in because then they won't, you know, I, they won't have so much control over mm-hmm. me or I won't feel scared of them. Like, right. I feel like I don't think we fear so much food, you know, yeah. like we've been told it's bad or it's this or that. So I can imagine that's such a freeing feeling for people to hear like, Hey, like you actually don't need to fear these foods. You can have more, you know, of a different mindset around well, that, which well, I really sure. I mean, you look at the eating disorders. I mean, it's I'm eating too much, or I'm eating too little, or I'm not eating the right thing. Or well, and you know. it's like nowadays there's chemicals in this, chemicals in that, and like and it, it like you can't even drink your water. It mm-hmm. becomes so overwhelming to the point where you don't know where to turn and mm-hmm. who to trust. And there's uh, so many different pieces of information out there, especially on social media. My yeah. gosh, you know. Yeah, I think. Um, and I wanted to ask you, those that don't have access to this program, what are some things that maybe they can start to implement? Like I think of, I started on following accounts on Instagram that when I looked at them, they just didn't make me feel good, yeah. you know? Um, and that was really freeing for me because it was like, okay, you know, I'm not like comparing or I'm not feeling bad about myself. But are there certain things that people who are really resonating with this conversation can start to implement today that have been helpful that you've yeah. seen? I think your idea is great, right? Unfollowing different accounts that maybe make you feel like less than. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, like you probably can feel those things within your body if you're scrolling on social media and Instagram and something pops up and you're like, oh, 
right? Like that right. should be the trigger. Like maybe this isn't good for me mm-hmm. and my nervous system and unfollowing it. Um, so I've had a lot of patients unfollow, like if they were uh, Weight Watcher followers, right? Mm-hmm. They would unfollow yeah. that or anything that would make them feel um, not good about what they were doing. Mm-hmm. I also encourage patients to really be um, to really be conscious of what their thoughts are. So are there places during the day where their thoughts are, ooh, I shouldn't have carbohydrates at lunch because I had them at breakfast, or wow, that was so bad that I had chips with my sandwich, I shouldn't have done that. So noticing where we're kind of beating ourselves up or mm. kind of holding ourselves to like mm. a maybe an unrealistic standard. And just being aware of them. Yeah. And that, like, we, my patients will come back and we'll talk about those things and we'll figure out, like, are they true or not true to hold on to those thoughts or how do we think about them differently? But first, we have to be aware of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just being aware of, like, how many times during the day are we, like, thinking about food or are we being critical about the mm-hmm. way we're eating so mm-hmm. that we can work And what was the name of that book that you read? Because I feel like that could be a great book for our listeners yeah. to read. So Intuitive Eating is the book. Um, Health at Every Size was one of the other books. Um, and, uh, and I always have a third book that I truly love, um, which was called Body Kindness. Mm. And so it's a great that's title. like another yeah. whole podcast probably of like how do we find peace with our bodies. Yeah. So intuitive eating really was the food. And then body kindness really helped me feel more comfortable with my body, um, which I think both of those things together is yeah. just mm-hmm. like a winning combination. Giving yeah. your body the love that it needs. I always tell people that are struggling, your body's doing the best that it can. Mm-hmm. And you need to like feed it with that love yeah. that yeah. it deserves because well, sometimes we're so mean to our body, even though like it does everything for us. And like, we totally take that for granted. And we say like, we look in the mirror and we say like the meanest things. And I, I'll say like maybe three years ago, I eliminated the word fat out of my vocabulary. I hate that word. I oh. hate that word. But I used to be like, Oh my God, I'm so fat or I'm this or I'm that. And now when other people say it, I just, I have my boundary where I'm like, no, nope, yeah. like I'm not. And it feels so icky to me. When like, people say horrible. in meetings, it makes me I cringe. It, it makes me sad. You yeah. know what I mean? Because we beat ourselves up so much and our bodies. Yeah. Do so much. And also yes. getting involved with a gym that represents positivity mm-hmm. and everybody matters. And what is uh, your advice on workouts and how to handle that part of the journey? Yeah. So I, first I want to say something about the word fat Mm. and I feel like that word has been hijacked by diet culture to be, to be something that means meanness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like you say fat and it's internalized as like a mean comment. Mm -hmm. It's, and I mean, I've never been in a larger body, so I don't know what it feels like. So I definitely am coming from a place of thin privilege. Um, but I have a lot of patients who we work on, uh, adjusting the way we feel about that word fat and like how do we make it neutral just like like red or Mm -hmm. um blue eyes like it's just a descriptive word Mm -hmm. and we don't need to attach any sort of negativeness to it um and sometimes it's it's even like reclaiming the word as theirs right yeah so um that's I mean that's easier said than done for mm-hmm. sure no I love mm-hmm. that though the, the yeah word. like it's I like nothing's off limits yeah right? and yeah. just right. changing that framework just, in your brain yeah. like the word fat too like for me I just always 
it's always lose it, lose the fat, lose right. the fat. Like that's all you see, fat mm-hmm. loss, lose fat mm-hmm. in 10 days or whatever. Yeah. Like it's so toxic. I'm sure it's that so makes, I'm sure that makes you nuts when you see on the cover of a magazine oh, yeah. of like health and it's like how to lose 10 pounds in 10 days. And, and, and not like, to mention a photoshopped cover yeah, of a magazine. Right, right. It's Correct. just like, oh, it's Yeah, our society just mm-hmm. ruins us. It's like, yeah, like it's every, terrible. everything that, 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 uh, you know, social media. That's why I got. Off, that's why I got off social media. Was, was the up. comparison it's, game it's, and yeah. then the warp, like ideas that it puts in your brain. Yeah. But I want to get back to that yeah. question of yeah. workouts and mm-hmm. being sure that you are. You know, I mean, I know at Move to Heal gyms we are very particular with who we bring on because of we want that safe space for everybody. Yeah. But for people that don't have access to Move to Heal, what are is your advice on workouts and how to pick a gym? So, I mean, if you asked me this 10 years ago, it would have been different. Um, But I always say intuitive eating leads to intuitive living. And so Mm -hmm. listening to what your body needs in that in that moment Mm. um, and not trying to make yourself do something because you think it's healthy or good for you. Um, So whether it's a walk, you know, in the beginning of my journey, I would wake up in the morning and I would say, like, what like talking to my body like it's a person like Mm -hmm. what do you feel like doing today? Um, and some days it was going to the gym, some days it was walking, some days it was stretching and doing yoga. Mm-hmm. And it, again, just bringing yourself, like bringing everything back into yourself and trying to figure out what is right for me. So if someone was wanting to start a fitness journey, I would, I would start with walking and kind of checking in, like, how is this feeling? Does this feel good? Do I want to do more? Do I want to do less? Do I want to, do I like it? You know, so our fitness choice, and sometimes I'll say, Instead of exercise, I'll say movement because that includes so much more. Like yeah. mm, blowing leaves can be movement. Yeah. Playing football with your kid can be movement. But we don't always think of those things as exercise, um, but they totally are. They 100% so are. I would look at like what types of movements feel good to me and or where am I already doing movement during the day that maybe I can do more of because mm. we want it to yeah. be enjoyable too. Yeah. yeah. So if you ask me to run, I would... I would hate that, <laughs> but I'll walk. Yeah. Right? So yeah, finding enjoyable movement. Is I, yeah, I love that. And it sounds like you know the intuitive eating and intuitive thinking, like developing this trust that your body knows what you need, and like actually being able to listen to it without this need to control the thoughts, but yeah. really like understanding. Like yeah. sometimes I'll, I'm sore from a workout and. I should be able to say, you know what? Like, I'm just going to go for a walk because going for a walk is not like less than doing a mm-hmm. workout, you know? But right. I That's do, again, society makes you feel that way. Like, what? You're lazy. You're this, you're that. You're not patterns. disciplined. It's like, but I'm so sore, you know? Yeah. So. And, and, old, and the soreness yeah. is telling you that you right. need yes. to rest, yeah. right. Right? right? And so. also old belief patterns that I used to have where if I'm not dying in a workout, I'm not getting a good workout. Mm-hmm. And now I've totally shifted my mindset and my hour walks are just as important Mm -hmm. as my high intensity workouts were, right? you know, and, you know, I think it evolves too and allowing the evolving process to happen and it's okay to try something else. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And doing whatever feels good. Right. Right. If we think about, you know, the stress that we put our bodies under, whether it's trying to find or trying to follow a strict nutrition plan or following a strict fitness plan, it creates that internal stress, you know, inflammation in our body which isn't helpful. And I see it all the time with especially women going through menopause and their bodies are changing. It's like, I'm going to do more. I'm going to be more strict. 
and they're just perpetuating the problem. And sometimes it's less is better. Mm. So mm. we want to think about how do we do reduce the internal stress on our body. And so if our bodies are sore or tired and we go and we push it to do a, a workout, we're just increasing yeah. the stress, internal yeah. stress on our body, which isn't going to be helpful mm-hmm. in any sort of way. So listening to the body and trusting like, okay, it's sore. It means I need to walk or rest or stretch, mm-hmm. right. not drive myself into the and ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also the simplicity people think it has to be complicated for it to work and it doesn't and it's that's the overtraining is not where it's at i've been there Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it it is not a good place to be mentally or physically you go into adrenal fatigue Mm -hmm. you know your body actually goes backwards and then to repair that damage you have to go to intuitive eating type of things and so um I love that this is part of our program because I wholeheartedly believe in this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I yeah, um, I just wanted to say thank you, Jess. You know, not only for joining us on that dietitian uh, pathway for for Move to Heal, um, which is now consistent and it's and it's in a and it's in an area that I think is really really uh, complementary to the, all the other things that we do, yeah. mm. um, but. For you being on our board yep. and creating and all that the, safe space and all the time that 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 you give us, I it's just um, we're super grateful. Yeah, yeah. So thank, thank you, you so much. much. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, thank you guys. It's been thank amazing. you. Well, Jess, thank you so much for joining us today. If you guys want to learn more about our nutrition program, check us out at www.movetoheelct.org, and you can always find us on Instagram at movetoheal.ct. Thank you guys for listening. Subscribe, like, comment, all the things, and we'll see you guys soon. Bye. Bye.